0: In today's fifth session of Overcomers, Rising Above Life's Challenges, uh, we come to the, about Joseph's life. Uh, We see uh, in this session today about how Joseph overcame bitterness in his life. Bitterness is something that we all face. Uh, The area of unforgiveness is something we all have to deal with, Uh, but the Lord has made provision for us. Let me ask you a question to begin with our session today. How would you describe the taste of bitterness? Have you ever bit into something and said, this is bitter? What's that taste like to you? Uh, well, there's a story of a man by the name of uh, Stephen McDonald. He's a uh, New York uh, PD. Um, he was uh, on uh, assignment in Central Park. He was shot in the back of the head three times by a 15-year-old boy, um, he spent the next 28 years uh, confined to a wheelchair as a quadriplegic. And uh, he hasn't held his wife in decades. He's never played or catch, played catch with uh, his son in terms of ball, playing with a, a football or a baseball. Uh, his son was born a few months after the shooting. But when you ask Stephen about the event, uh, he says that he's forgiven the young man. He says this, I forgave him because I believe the only thing worse than receiving a bullet in my spine would have been to nurture revenge in my heart. He's going on to say that such an attitude would have extended my injury to my soul, hurting my wife, my son, and others even more. I've come to realize that anger is a wasted emotion. So we're going to look at Joseph's life today Genesis chapter 45, verses 3 through 11. See how Joseph deals with bitterness. Just to recap a little bit about his life so far, we see where Joseph uh, overcame betrayal from his brothers as they wanted to kill him. They were basically jealous of him, but they sold him into slavery. He eventually ended up into uh, with the Egyptians. We see where Joseph overcame temptation as he was attempted by Potiphar's wife and refused that but was uh, unfairly, uh, unjustly... Uh, um, Charged with rape, uh, so uh, p- apparently Potiphar had some, maybe some suspicions about his wife's accusations. So Joseph normally would have been killed, but wasn't. He said he was put in prison for some thirteen four- years. Um, so he was, he met uh, a baker, a, a judge that are in jail rather that was uh, in Pharaoh's court and said, "Remember me when you come into Pharaoh's presence," and he had been forgotten. Uh, then we see where um, he eventually was remembered, and through his giftedness with leadership, uh, he rose to a high position in the jail, so it caught the attention of everyone, uh, but also, too, his ability to interpret dreams, he rose to Pharaoh's court, where he interpreted the dreams of a severe uh, famine and a severe a, a time of great prosperity. So Joseph was put in charge of the kingdom, in terms of amassing the resources. And eventually they did have a tremendous uh, produce of seven years and then a tremendous famine that struck the entire region. It was like a a pandemic, if you would, a global pandemic of a famine. So we come now to Joseph dealing with bitterness uh, as uh, he comes to face with his brothers who are searching out for food um, because they're hungry. And they're coming to Egypt, which is like the go-to nation of the world, a world power in itself at that time, uh, but amassing uh, resources to be able to feed the nations, as it were. So picking up with verse, uh, chapter 45, verses 3 through 11, it says, Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph, is my father still living? But they could not answer him because they were terrified in his presence. Joseph's brothers at first did not recognize Joseph at all. Remember, their paradigm of him, their view of seeing him was that he was killed. He was uh, sold into slavery. They had no idea what had happened to him since that time. Verse 4, and Joseph said to the brothers, please come near me. And they came near, I am Joseph, your brother, he said, the one whom you sold into Egypt. Now, don't be worried or angry with yourselves for selling me here because God sent me ahead of you to preserve life. So Joseph, uh, seeing his brothers, he recognized them, of course, first before they ever recognized him. Verse 6, For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there will be five more years without plowing or harvesting. God sent me ahead of you to establish you as a remnant within the land, and to keep you alive by a great deliverance. Therefore, it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh, the lord of his entire household, and ruler of the land of Egypt. Return quickly to my father and say to him, this is what your son Joseph says. God has made me lord of all of Egypt. Come down to, uh, come down to me without delay. You can settle in the land of Goshen and be near me. You and your children and your grandchildren, your sheep and cattle... And all you have, therefore, I will sustain you. For there will be five more years of famine; otherwise, you, your household, and everything you have, will become destitute. So, uh, we want to see right from the start here. um, We take a look at uh, verses three and four, particularly, says that uh, um, Joseph is pretty much aware of the fact that this is something that God has planned. In other words, God has, um, God has planned out his life. God has seen, taken into consideration all these different things and has woven a plan for Joseph's life. We're not saying that God sent the famine. We're not saying that God um, deliberately uh, sent the Ishmaelites to pick up Joseph as the slave. We're just simply saying here, I'm simply saying here, that what is happening is that in the midst of all these tragic events from the time of his betrayal, sold into slavery, is that the accusations uh, against him by Potiphar's wife? Uh, we see where God has uh, providentially woven all this into Joseph's life to bring him to a place that not, it's not only for his good, but for the good of others, as Joseph indicates. So the famine in the region was something that the nations in the region, including Israel, did not fare well for them at all. So Genesis chapters 42 through 44 tells us about the series of tests that Joseph puts his brothers through when they arrived in Egypt. These tests were designed to reveal any changes in their character during this time. So, uh, when he declares, I am Joseph, was a moment of tremendous uh, revelation by Joseph to his brothers. I am Joseph. Uh, He could have responded to his brothers in a very cynical way, a bitter way. He could have said things like this. How do you like my coat now? How would you feel like if you were in the pit? Did you know that I was in prison for a long time? If you guys hadn't sold me into slavery, heck, I would have never been in prison. Um, but Joseph did not respond that way to his brothers. There wasn't bitterness in his heart. There wasn't anger in his heart. Uh, Joseph instead was revealing his identity. And he asked the question, is my father still living? Um, This was a tremendous moment for Joseph's brothers. Just think for a moment, the weight of their guilt, uh, the lies that they had lived under was being exchanged at that moment for an offer of forgiveness. And here we see a beautiful and perfect picture of the cross of Jesus Christ. What Joseph did here points to the cross of Jesus, who said with arms outstretched at the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He wasn't speaking just to the Roman soldiers or the Sanhedrin that uh, facilitated his death. He was speaking for, to all of humanity who had rebelled against the Father in Adam's sin. And Jesus says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus could have said... Father sent ten thousand legions of angels. Let's start this thing all over again. The heck with this! But that's not what Joseph. That's not what Joseph said. It's not what Jesus said. Father, forgive them. Uh, and there was the pouring out of forgiveness at the cross for the world through what Jesus did. Just like I am Joseph was a revelation of of forgiveness to Joseph's brothers. Verses five through eight. We'll pick it up there. Uh, we see here where. Um, Jesus says to his brothers, don't be worried or angry. He talks about the famine, and he talks about how God sent me ahead to uh, uh, to establish a remnant and that uh, God has made me father of Pharaoh, which means he's raised him up with great favor in Pharaoh's sight. So what he's basically saying is this was all God's plan. He weaved this in uh, to what happened to Joseph into his plan. Uh, So he says to his brothers, don't be angry. Or you could simply say, another way of saying that is don't be grieved. Uh, their grief uh, was a powerful emotion that was uh, rooted in guilt and shame. but joseph was saying don't don't be grieving over this uh, don't worry yourself over this. In other words, this was a offer of forgiveness from joseph's heart to his brothers, uh, so in a sense, he was reciting the Lord's plan, how the Lord worked in all these different circumstances here. God brought a caravan just at the right time to save him from the pit of being torn apart by animals. This was in Genesis chapter 37. And then God introduced Joseph to the baker and the cupbearer in Genesis 40. This was when he was in prison. And then God sent the dreams to Pharaoh, gave Joseph the ability and the opportunity to interpret his dreams, uh, gave him also wisdom. Uh, plan of action, Genesis chapter 41. So, we see we're all along the way God was at work in Joseph's life, and Joseph is aware of this, is cognizant of this, and is uh, owning this in his life, that God was at work through all this. Uh, And uh, when Joseph was willing to forgive his brothers, came from the fact and the truth in his life that he saw god's hand at work in all these circumstances of his life his forgiveness came from a place that this guy was weaving all these things into his plan let's go to chapter 45 again verses 9 through 11 in our scripture and we see where he says to his brother return quickly to my father and 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 uh god is and tell my father uh that your son has been made uh, Lord of all Egypt, God has done this. Come without delay. You can settle in the land of Goshen because uh, there's going to be some more years of famine here. Uh, so, this is the restoration that takes place here between Joseph and his family. It's a uh, a not just simply a forgiveness, but a restoration of relationship, a restoration of. Um, almost like creating a whole new destiny here. That's what Jesus Christ did for us at the cross as he stretched out his arms and forgave the human race and then was buried and rose on the third day. We see a restoration of the human race. It just wasn't simply a forgiveness of our sins, but it was a restoration. Eventually, when Jesus returned back to the Father, he poured out the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit would come to live in all those who repented their sin, put their faith in him and were baptized. And the Holy Spirit would begin the restoration process within us of transforming us. Um, and this what Joseph did with his brothers is a foreshadowing of what Jesus would do for the whole human race. Um, so restoration of relationship, restoration of a destiny of a family was restored. Uh, Joseph was the one man... Uh, Jesus rather say, Joseph knew one man who was still filled with much mourning and sorrow that was his father Jacob. And so J- Joseph wanted to send his brothers back to Jacob with the good news that his son is alive, and that this uh, Jacob's 13year time of grief finally could be turned into joy. Uh, and again, this is the restoration that takes place here. So Corey Ten Boom, uh, a Christian who lived in Dutch Holland in World War II, was very responsible with her and her family and others to helping Jewish people escape from Germany uh, into freedom, was finally caught, and she and her sister Betsy were put into concentration camps. Ultimately, Betsy died there. Uh, Corey um, survived and was able to remain in uh, in uh, to get free, and then sh- later she become a Christian minister throughout Europe, particularly, she said this forgiveness is an act of the will, and the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. So we talk about forgiveness then we 're talking about making a decision from the heart to forgive uh, it 's a decision we make not based on our feelings but based on the truth that forgiveness is something that the Lord commands of me to do. In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus has us praying as his disciples, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Forgiveness is woven into the very heart of prayer itself. Jesus also told parables about prayer, about the, about the uh, story of the man who owed basically what was the national debt, couldn't pay it, got it forgiven, but somebody owed him a mere fraction of that, and he wouldn't forgive him. Jesus talks about how that person came to a severe end who would not forgive. Of course, we see Jesus forgiving from the cross, as I mentioned earlier. St. Paul talks about forgiveness in his epistles. Forgive one another in Christ, uh, as Christ has forgiven you, he says in Colossians. Forgiveness is rooted in the truth that... No matter what happens to me, God is working it into his plan because God is sovereign. God loves me and has a covenant with me. God has mercy and wisdom and power to take even the most bitter of moments in my life or your life and weave it into a pattern for the good. Forgiveness is rooted in the truth of who God is. He can take the darkness of Good Friday and turn it into the victory and the brightness of of Easter Sunday morning. He can do that for each of our lives. So, forgiveness begins first with the decision I make, uh, and I make that because it's rooted in the truth of who God himself is and what his covenant is with me through the death and resurrection of his son. Forgiveness is not easy. Having said this, it can be a challenge in our life. And so where do we begin with forgiveness? St. Teresa of Avila said, begin where you can begin. Uh, she saw it was expedient to forgive um, difficult and yet yeah, challenging, she said it was the single most thing that would keep her from union with God was was bitterness. But she said, begin where you can begin. So if you can begin in the place that says, Lord, I know I should forgive, but I'm having trouble doing it. I'm not sure I can. I need your help. That's a great place to begin. The Lord can take us where we are and move us inch by inch if necessary to the next place. What he's looking for is the movement of our will towards his will, which is to forgive one another, even as he has forgiven us. And third thing, uh, I find it helpful to pray for the person who has hurt us. Sometimes our prayer for them at first seems inauthentic, in that I don't feel it, I don't, uh, not even sure I want to do it. Um, but we know that prayer for our enemies, wherever they, whoever they are to us, uh, and sometimes that enemy can be us uh, ourselves, as we need to forgive ourselves, is can be challenging, but. Prayer again is rooted in the truth of who the Lord is. I want to do his will, I want to obey him, and so obeying him and doing his will means to forgive. So, one way to manifest that is pray for the person. Uh, if we pray for that person consistently, uh, no matter how we feel, but just simply pray for them, uh, one or two things are going to happen. Either I'm going to get tired of doing that and give up and stop praying for them, or my heart's going to change towards them. Prayer opens our heart up to the grace of the Lord. And His power to cleanse our hearts and free our hearts. So, um, prayer is powerful. So, let's. Uh, I'm sure we all have areas of forgiveness in our life. Like I said, sometimes the person we need to forgive is ourselves, um, and know that the hurt and the the wound in our life is not something that necessarily that God wanted to happen for us at all. But He has. He can take that hurt and wound and weave it into a plan for our good. But we need to do something about that. We need to respond as Joseph did, or as Jesus did from the cross, and we need to forgive. We have the Holy Spirit living in us, his power to help us to do things that we can't do in our own ability. So let's pray. So Lord, we thank you for forgiving us through the cross of your Son, not holding our sin against us, but forgiving us. Therefore, offering us the opportunity through the gift of the Holy Spirit to be restored in our relationship to you, and you open the gates of eternal life to us. Lord, help us to be able to forgive those who have injured us, to begin where we can begin, to pray for them. We ask for the grace and power and strength of the Holy Spirit to do what we can't do in our own human ability. And we pray this through Christ our Lord. Amen.